How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie. Ronnie, you were out and about over the weekend. Yeah, I was away. I was away for a couple of weeks. So, well, I suppose more than one is a couple. So, <laughs> I was away. I came back yesterday. Unfortunately, I got to miss the game, which uh, at Loftus, which went well. Yeah, well, it was quite peaceful without you. I had no one screaming in my left ear. Only Lindsay screaming in my right ear. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Ronnie, Loftus was very different this so, time around. This is what I've heard. And I think the game day experience from a lot of people that I've heard, you know, they said it was their best ever. So interestingly enough, there's some pros and some cons to what Loftus did. So Loftus... That is interesting. That is definitely interesting. So tell us about it. So Loftus traditionally had the beer tent on that upper field. It was a fairly small beer tent. And you could come in at various entrances around the stadium. This time around, for those that are familiar, they made the beer tent on the B field, which is there above the B and C field. B and C field, correct. So it was a huge beer tent. I heard they cornered off that whole section. The whole section. But what they also did is they closed all the entrances around the stadium with the only access point being from Linwood Road. So you were coming in on that main entrance and then the beer tent was down to your left. And Craig was telling me that they checked the tickets the moment you walked onto the ground. So at no point after that, they checked your tickets again, which just improved the flow of people. 100%. So yeah, once you got in, and I mean, we went early, we got there at about 1.30. So we didn't have a problem with a queue. But then when Belinda joined us, she pointed it out to me and was like, have a look at what's going on there. And it was absolute chaos at the entrance. There's one entrance with the entire crowd trying to get through it. Yeah, well, you just got to go early. So getting beer, this time at Loftus, very easy. The bars were massive, so they spread the crowd out. It was very easy to get a beer, so I will give you an improvement mark there, Loftus. Where you failed, though, not enough tables. You had a huge dance floor area for some reason, and everyone was gathered by the stage to dance. There could have been more tables there, some standing tables for everyone to put their beers on. Standing tables is something you don't see at many stadiums now i think that's that's absolutely necessary yeah i agree i think and i mean they don't take up as much space yeah. you can put your dorp on that you know it's it's a bit better yeah the other point that they failed on was the bathroom situation so there was nowhere near enough portable toilets put up there on the one side there was two for the ladies and three for the men oh, i would love to know sometimes if these guys that manage loftus have ever been to a game themselves because why would the ladies have less toilets? They are always the ones with the queues. Doesn't make any sense. No sense at all. So beer tent improvement, entrance and bathroom, bit of a lapse there. One of our guys, um, we will give him a shout out later, did write in about his experience complaining of the queues and, and bringing that to our attention as well. So what you're saying is game day experience for some was good, but there was so, there was so much congestion still that it wasn't as enjoyable. Yeah, and you know, I did hold a vote on our Instagram page and it was interesting for me to see, and I think the misconception always comes in that we're rating the quality of the game. And that's not what we're doing when we're talking about the stadiums because you can go to Ellis Park and have the shittest stadium experience, but then beat the All Blacks and it's going to be an incredible memory. Yeah. we When we review the stadiums, we're looking at the overall fan experience without the influence of the game on, on what we had there. Yeah, facilities management, right? So, but I uh, look, look. The argument is that a lot of these stadiums were built 60 years ago, you know, possibly even older. And facilities planning, only really a thing that's that's new age, if you will. So when the stadiums were built for the Soccer World Cup, that was taken into account. Yeah, but I mean, there's some things that are so obvious that just need to be put into place. Put up a rail through the tunnel up to the stands and say, 
in out oh, bathrooms true. make an in entrance and an out entrance at Greenpoint they have that yeah. so those are simple things just to assist in traffic flow because the congestion was quite bad ahead of kickoff uncomfortable I know a couple of people wrote in said they missed the anthems they missed kickoff so that's that's not what you want to see at a game like this and I must emphasize that's something that does not happen at a stadium like Greenpoint yeah but other than that anything else from the stadium in the game day that was lacking and what about the Posters that everyone had to hold on in the stand. Did you see that? Because it's South African flag and it said stronger forever in the middle. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Eh? So a colleague of mine, she went to the game and she got a message that they need to be seated early. And yeah, they sprung a bit of a surprise. There was the South African flag and then it said stronger together. So yeah, pretty cool. That stronger was... together or stronger forever? Forever. I believe it has now changed to forever. It used to be stronger together. But as our friend Ashley pointed out, what is that? How does that even make sense? Stronger forever. Yeah. Are we strong forever or are we stronger than someone else forever? Yeah, it's a little little bit confusing. I preferred the stronger together. Stronger together for sure. Yeah, so that was that. Then I got to see Van Pletsen. So if you're familiar with Simon Delon, apparently that is Obas's son. I have no idea who that is. So you watched Simon Delon to pass my trick back in the day, did you not? <laughs> Do you know how many years ago that was, Ronald? Yeah, 106, 106, yeah. So, Van Pletsen was pretty good. The music's a little bit odd, but, yeah, the beats were really, really good. Also, Ronnie, I don't know if you saw the picture I sent you of those old box TVs. Loftus is still rocking. I saw that. It doesn't make any sense. They, they didn't even look like they were plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they so still... I unpacked there. that. Where was that? So, we were at the back of the eastern stand, the lower eastern stand, and those TVs were above us on the stand from the upper stand. So you could, your, the intention is that you could watch the game on that. But I haven't seen a box TV. Not a spring box TV. It was an actual old school box TV. Yeah, it was. It a was, box, box TV. It was definitely interesting. But by far the most interesting thing I learned at the stadium this weekend, Ronnie. Guess what it is. What was it? So dear old Craig from Puntit was sitting there after the game. We were all jamming to Van Pletsen. He orders himself a nice little bucky of chicken nuggets and chips. And he's sitting there eating, and in comes this guy. Straight, doesn't even look at him. Straight past the table, grabs some chips, and just keeps on walking on and chows these chips. Should have tackled him. Yeah, should have tackled him. But I learned the term for the first time, and it's called seagulling. It's not a real thing. <laughs> According to our mate Linda, that's a thing. Seagulling. You just walk past someone's table, grab some food, and, and keep going. I think that was invented in Rhodes. By the rodents? Yeah, probably. And I've seen them do it with beers at well, yeah, before. They used to call it table drinking, but I suppose that there's now such a thing as table eating. Yeah, see, gulling is the way. So that definitely made me laugh, but that oak, confidence is key. He walked past, didn't make eye contact, snapped that chip and was gone before anyone even realized what happened. Wish I got to see that. Yeah, that was really priceless. Before we dive into the action from this weekend, I see that today the new URC season was announced. The fixture list was put out. The Irk's out. The Irk is out. Funny that it starts on the semi-final weekend from the World Cup. We have discussed that before. That makes absolutely zero sense. It really doesn't make any sense. But some really promising statistics coming out of this competition. Hit me. There was an 8% viewership increase from last year to this. Oh, okay. So that's quite substantial. Great to see 37.4 million people tuned in to watch the the sport. That's individual viewers. And I mean, I don't know how they discern from that who's watching in restaurants and bars and stuff like that. So the number could be considerably considerably higher. Five rounds of the competition had more than 2 million viewers. All right. 
An average of 575,000 people tuned into each of the finals. But the most impressive one for me, Ronnie. So the most supported teams in the IRC is Munster, Sharks, Bulls, Stormers. Munster, Sharks, Bulls, Stormers. So three South Africans and one Irish team. 100%. So they are the most watched teams in the IRC. Where's the Louis Leinster? Nine of the ten most viewed games, Ronnie, had South African teams in it. Wow. The only one that beat that was the Leinster versus Munster semi-final. Well, I mean, you've got to give credit to the South Africans. We love our rugby. And I mean, you've replaced Super Rugby with that. And, and it's not just a like-for-like replacement. Suddenly you've got fixtures that are in the afternoons and the evenings instead of early morning when you're trying to sleep off your bubbleus. So, you know, the Oaks are going to, are going to tune in. I think it's great. So you're welcome. You're welcome, welcome Pro 12. Yeah, I also think, though, we need to just give a big thank you to the Northern Hemisphere. They offered us a competition that we could join. And I'm glad to see that the South Africans have showed up and returned the favor by viewing so, the so, game. So you're thanking them. And what I'm doing is I'm uh, uh, thanking us. Thanking us. Yeah. There we go. But great to see. And I really think it has now officially put Super Rugby behind us. The URC it is, or the IRC, as Ronnie likes to call it. The IRC. So, Ronnie, then over to the rugby championship action for this weekend. Some good rugby. It was a great game. It was a bloody great game. So, starting with the Springboks, 43-12 Wallabies. Yeah, so the points difference, only marginally pips what the All Blacks put to Los Pimas. So, we're top of the log, and I think we have to celebrate that. You know, we are points difference puts us right up at the top there, and it's fantastic to see. Yeah, our points difference would have been a little bit better had not been for that Carter Gordon try. He got that on debut. The boys had switched off at the end of the game and he... That final try from the Aussies, Carter Gordon in his debut, I thought was the game, the try of the game. Yeah, it was really incredible. It was a really impressive try. So well done there on your debut as well. Very impressive. Ronnie, Kourbis, Am and Vili. We predicted it before the game. I think it proved true in the game. They formed the core spine of terribly attacking backline. Terribly the right word? Terrible. A terrible attacking backline. A feared attacking backline. Terrible just doesn't seem to fit there. Like a terror-inducing backline. There we go. That's the way. So they, I think they were terrifying. Them forming that spine. Terrifying. Terrifying. I mean, we got there eventually. eventually. Okay, and yes. So they formed the spine. Yeah, okay, sure. Great to see that. Philly had a very good game. Mm-hmm. He was very composed for me under the high ball. Offered a lot of experience to Kirtley Arantzer and Kenan Moody. Yeah, absolutely. The, the back three was dangerous honestly when they got the ball things things happened it was very exciting no it was truly exciting Ronnie, i've seen on social media a lot of negativity around peter steph the toy saying he's old and slow and all of this and i just don't see that i can't reconcile myself with comments like that he was immaculate on saturday i i can't i don't actually have a comment to that because i completely disagree with him being slow and i mean he was the 2019 player of the year yeah and he's an absolute workhorse that oak could probably run the two marathons i think tomorrow. i think you know skulk Berger came back from having broken his neck and suffering you know from meningitis and i think there's only other one other player in the world that could probably pull off something like that and that's peter steph Dutoy. yeah he was very impressive for me and I think people sometimes overlook the hard work that that man puts in because he really is all over the field. And his chasing on putting pressure on the 10 and 12, I mean... Yeah, no, you need to give me access to the social media so that I can go and find those people and disagree with them. Yeah. Click the, uh, the, the <laughs> unlike button, the dislike button. Yeah, because that, that really didn't make any sense to me. Then, Ronnie, huge performances, probably best in the green and gold from Andre Esterhazen. 
but an yeah. equally massive showing from Marku van Staden. No, it's it, look, you're just going to rattle off all the names in the team, really. I think I think the list is a lot short of who, who disappointed us a bit. But yeah, look, Marku van Staden, great to see him. Honestly, I think he needs... He's unlucky. He's unlucky to be a flanker in South Africa, right? Because we have so many great flankers and Lucy's. It's just difficult for them. They get overshadowed often. And honestly, immense game from him. Well done. Yeah, I actually thought his performance was so good that it might have gotten him an elevation to the starting team against the All Blacks this weekend. Yeah, interesting. Quachas made it in there, along with Franku Morsen. And I know you're not a fan of old Franku there. In the loose. No, I'm not. But we'll definitely chat about that just now. Ronnie, what was the keys in this game? I felt it was definitely our physicality that was something else, but also the speed we played with and this game we looked to keep the ball. We looked to keep the ball, but we also kept the ball. I mean, 66% possession, I believe, Eddie Jones said that, that we had. I haven't seen the stat anywhere else, but you know, we had two-thirds of the ball, which is atypical for us. We tend to be a defensive-orientated team and and capitalizing on the mistakes and the penalties that the opposition gives away with ball in hand. So, look, we, for some reason, we managed to hold it to, to the ball. I don't know, was that us being so incredibly dominant, or was that just the Eddie Jones magic not having worked it worked out? Yeah, I, I think that we were incredibly physical, and then managing to retain the ball for such long periods with the playmakers and the pace and the X factor we had on that field. The result was only ever going to go one way. Uh, Ronnie, Kirtley answer. 10 tries, 8 games. Phenomenal on the wing. 3 tries in this one. Yep. Patrick in this one. Where does he stand in the fight with Mapimpi for that 11 jersey? Yeah, it's a difficult one because I rate, I rate Mapimpi, but Kirtley answer is explosive. The thing with Kirtley answer is I would say he's a, he's a like-for-like with Cheslin. So we should be talking about Kirtley replacing Cheslin and finding maybe perhaps a more physical wing on the Mopibi side. But either way, it, you know, we're, we're producing wingers in, in the same way we've been producing flankers over the many years, you know, churning them out one, one after the other. And it's amazing to have that problem as a coach and as a selector. You know, you've got all these great wingers. Which one do you choose? I think at the moment, Kirtley Aronson, just give him, give him the ball because he's magic, right? Mopibi seems to have a bit of a... The problem with his attitude is he, he, he's, he's learned something from Vili. I think Vili's that. Vili likes to chirp the referees. And I've, I've been noticing that with my Pimpy recently as well. But maybe that's because my Pimpy is, is a senior in the, in the team. And so he feels comfortable enough to challenge the referees. Yeah, I definitely think my Pimps has had a bit of discipline problems. Curtly answer for me, electric. I see the only real negative commentary around the Bach 23 name for this weekend has been that Curtly is not starting. I think that's a little bit misplaced because Mopimpi has served us well. Yeah. But it's definitely a battle that I would love to have if I was the head coach of the Springboks. It's a bit of a headache, but it's a good headache. Good headache to have right. if there is such. Because you can trust. You can absolutely trust Mopimpi on any game day. And if Mopimpi goes down, you know, with a touch wood, an injury, you know, Kirtley Aronson easily can, can step it up. And he's controlling that left wing really well. I mean, to score three tries down the left wing... It's clearly a wing we seem to be favouring, and Kirtley's stepping up to, to, to the plate. He definitely is. He's a very exciting young back for us. Then, just a shout-out, Jean Klein, officially a Springbok. Yeah, sorry, Jean Klein, you're now stuck with us. Uh, according to Regulation 8, you can go nowhere. One no of us. One no of us. <laughs> Honestly, but he's great to have, yeah. right? Oh, we have to make the comment of the fact that we've just got so many good locks, and similarly to our flankers, Lucy's, and, and wings, 
difficult. Once you make it into that into that pool, you've still, you still you have to continue fighting, right? And but he's he's a beast. He's a he's a beast, and I regret not paying attention to him more closely for for the last couple of years for sure. So then, just looking over at the Wallabies a little bit here, Ronnie. Big Willy, a lot of negative comments coming around him saying after 20 minutes he'd run out of steam or that, you know, he's only effective in the Northern Hemisphere. Altitude, definitely a factor in this one. But I thought Big Willy had a pretty decent game. He was very physical in a well-beaten Wallaby side. I don't think you can pick him out individually as a poor performer. No, I don't think you can. And look, he was physical. He, you know, he's going to be physical regardless of what his fitness is like because he's just so such a big unit. But he played against a very, a very good lock pairing. And when Ashley came on as well, another lock that played exceptionally well. So he was up against it. And really, I mean, he's playing against world-class locks on the other side, which are there to nullify him. And we were successful, fortunately. We definitely were. And then a bit of a worry seeing that Tom Hooper's picked up an injury. He went off early. Yeah, so that's not, that's never what you want to see. But I thought a bit of a quiet game from Nick White as well as Quade Cooper. Yeah, I think Quade Cooper, yes, but that's possibly because of the possession being in the Springboks' favour, right? So they just simply didn't have enough ball, enough chances to, to be flashy with the ball. And and I suppose a scrum off as well. What's a scrum off there to do? He's too small to really defend unless you are the giant slayer Fuff or, or someone like that. Uh, you're going to have a quiet game. And yeah, I was just glad to see that moustache didn't make an appearance. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree with you. And I think the second half, especially, I don't have the exact figure, but a lot of that game felt like it was played in front of us, which would have been in the Wallabies 22. When you're a 10 getting ball in that area, your main job is going to be to kick it. So, yeah, yeah, you know, that's it's hard to say how they performed in a fixture like this. Don't write them off. They've got, a, they've got more opportunities coming up. And uh, I believe their next game is Argentina. In Australia. In Australia. So they're going to have an opportunity to really string together some phases and retain a bit of the ball. They'll take some learning from this game. And look, just keep your finger on the pulse with respect to Mr. Nick White and and, and Quaid, Hardstepper, Cooper. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. And I mean, we must also remember this is the first game Eddie's been in charge of the side now. We'll take a few to get into the swing of things and to pick it up from there. Yeah, dude. You can't you can't ride off Australia based on the performance of the weekend. Look, they came to a. It's difficult to play at Loftus. You know there were there's fifty fifty one thousand or fifty thousand and eighty eight Springbok fans and only one Australian fan. So it's one and a half. One and a half. Yeah. It was very difficult and uh, high felt. It's, it's altitude. It's it's dry. It's cold. And you know the fans are just like they're going to be up. They're going to be against you the whole game. So you just not it's gonna be very difficult to get into the swing of things right then and there. But they'll take the learnings. It's a good game for any team. No, that's for sure, Ronnie. And then just to end off the conversation about this game, something I forgot to mention that happened. So you know they've got those fire blowers that go off and, and blow uh, fire. Oh, oh okay. So <laughs> fire blower the fire blower that that blows fire. Okay. So one of them right in front of us malfunctioned. No. So it sprayed all this gas or whatever they use to fuel. ignite it fuel onto the TV screens. Like onto the, the display screen. Onto the advertising board. And they caught on light. No. Yeah. Ridiculous, eh? No. Yeah. It was... I don't trust those things. <laughs> you, sit in the, you sit in the stands and you can feel the heat coming from it. It's powerful. I mean, that's, you don't want it to malfunction like that. 
But worse than that, the two pyrotechnic dudes run over to this thing. It's still spurting the fuel out. And while it's spraying fuel on them, it ignites again. Luckily, they did not catch fire. But that looked like a disaster waiting to happen. A game-ending accident. Yeah, because that really would have... Burnt Loftus down. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Sarani then over to the second fixture from the weekend. Los Pumas hosting the All Blacks in Mendoza. 41-12. 41-12. Yeah, tough day at the office for Los Pumas, and, and the All Blacks look well-oiled. Yeah, they definitely makes, do. Makes me nervous, I don't know about you. It makes me nervous. Jason Ryan, I think, deserves a lot of credit for how he's transformed that New Zealand pack again, that front row with De Kruid there, really having a change in the All Blacks' fortunes. They fronted up to Los Pumas, and I think it was quite telling. You know, a lot of the Los Pumas players haven't had much game time recently. They've... yeah. Some not played since January. Yeah, look, I mean, there's definitely perspective here that you must you must see this game from. And it, it is the reality that Los Pumas haven't been involved in Super Rugby of old and, and and their players just haven't had the game time that the All Blacks have had having just come out of Super Rugby. Yeah, that's for sure. The All Blacks were definitely fit and firing for this one. I unfortunately called Los Pumas to win on Super Brew. And that is why you're basically in the bottom percentile of, of, of <laughs> yeah well it didn't work to my favor had it worked I it took a big risk there me. right i understand i understand the rationale behind it but but the reality is you don't go against the all blacks yeah well i thought you know they've beaten them in new zealand last year they could do it now in argentina they often talk about don't don't discount a wounded buck don't discount a wounded all black i mean these guys these guys are hurting and they're desperate for to put some good performances by and then say, yeah. Then, Ronnie, what do you make as DMAC got selected at 10 and your boy Richie on the bench? It was great when Richie came on the field. All Blacks played incredibly well then. <laughs> Look at that, trying to save some face there, Ronnie. No, dude, DMAC was fantastic. And then uh, Bone Barrett, is there a place for him in the team? Well, he started at fullback. Well, that's so, where he needs to stay. Or, well, he shouldn't actually stay there because his brother is a better fullback, I believe. But Well, Jordy got man of the match at 12 this time. Yeah, but it was against Los Pumas. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with their all-black selection when they face us because Will Jordan will be available for selection. Will they rotate him in or keep Bodie there? But I find it quite interesting that DMAC was back to start at 10. Now, hasn't really started for the all-blacks last in 2019. But he played with the Chiefs in the final... Yeah, and he's had a stellar season in Super Rugby, and he's the only one sticking around after the World Cup. Yeah, look, don't get me wrong, D-Mac is fantastic, and he's very exciting to play. A soft spot in my heart for him, especially after he knocked that ball on. You know that time when the Springboks beat the All Blacks? Uh, it was yeah, when like, yeah. Philly charged him. <laughs> so, Ronnie, then there was an incident in that game, Captain Sam Kane tripping a streaker. After the game. After the game. That was... Okay, look... Sam Kane came out and he apologized, very sorry, trying to make things right to the fan. And I believe he did. And honestly, you know, it's a streaker. You need to be expected. You can't expect to get smashed when you run into a rugby field. Yeah, I don't think Sam Kane had any reason to apologize. You enter that field, you know what's going on. But he really laid into it. He did. But this guy at least got his timing right. It was after the game. Remember the one at Loftus that ran onto the field at like 28 minutes in? Yeah, dressed as a clown. Yeah, and he looked like one too. Yeah, so <laughs> So yeah, that was interesting from Sam Kane. I don't think he should be sorry. I think the streaker 
part of the risks. You're going to learn. If you're running around an All Blacks team and Sam Kane sticks his leg out, he's going to teach you a lesson. But honestly, Sam Kane laid out. I enjoyed watching that video. I've watched it a hundred times and I keep laughing. There, if you haven't seen it, Sam Kane, yes, he, he tripped a, <laughs> a very illegal move. It would have been great if he dropped his shoulder and, and legally took him to ground. But yeah. yeah, tripped the grid faster than or harder than ESCOM during stage six load shedding. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> So yeah, good to see 31-0 at halftime. All Blacks were smoking them in the first half. Slowed down in the second. They'll want to fix that. So maybe don't bring Richie on. Well, there we go. Proving Ronnie's argument wrong. How great was it though, Ronnie, to see your boy Augustine score a try in his 98th test match? 98th test match. So he's going to have his 100th test match against us. At Ellis Park. Should you play against the Aussies as well? Potentially. Okay. So yeah, that, that's about all I have to say about that game. Looking forward to facing the All Blacks this weekend. But yeah, some great rugby on display from the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, absolutely. It's so good to have international rugby back or And not just international rugby, the championship. The, right? championship. the tri-nations or the four nations, whatever you want to call it. And that was good to see. But that wasn't the only game the All Blacks were involved in the second game. Oh yeah, you're right, Ronnie. So the All Blacks team, you know, talking about depth, they have a whole second squad currently in Japan. They played Japan and got a good, strong 38-6 win there. Yeah, no, so that's, you know, it's not very, we know, it's not that not that easy these days to just walk over Japan. And a 38-6 is a convincing win for the All Blacks 15. And uh, Brad Weber, well done. Yeah, I mean, and we're looking at the Springboks using a split squad system for growing depth. They're doing the same thing, just in two different places. Yeah, two different competitions, split, split squad, a lot of game time for a lot of players. And uh, yeah. They, uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 great to see that they're getting some experience and building some depth there. But Ronnie, before we get onto the coming games, should we just quickly take a look at the Under Twenty World Cup? Oh, that's not good lookings if you're a South African. Yeah. So there we had the first final was the Ireland versus Box. Unfortunately for the Box, Ireland getting a thirty-one twelve victory there. Twelve seems to have been the terrible number this weekend for a few sides. Yeah, that is true. So Baby Box were knocked out. They will now go on to play in the bronze final, the third and fourth playoff there. And then later in the evening, deadly looking French side put England away, 51-31. That's going to be a good game. Yeah, so Ireland versus France in the final. That's going to be incredible to see. Does that have any effect or prediction or preview on the 2023 World Cup in France? It's difficult because, look, the under-20s is always such a unique competition, right? Because... They are so young. You get a new t- a new team every, if not every year, at least every two years, right? It's a brand new team. So you can get a hit and a miss. You can have a great team one year and the next year you've got a completely new setup, new team, and they chop and change a lot. But this is great experience for those youngsters that are going to find themselves selected as part of the what's the senior squad, right? Yeah. And look, by all means, so if, if England and the French players, any of those players make it up into the, the senior squad, this is an invaluable experience. Yeah, it's great to see. It's great to have the youngsters going on there, and it's been a great tournament so far. So good luck to them. And the box will be playing England in the bronze final. Not England. You... Sorry, did we get the final wrong? We said France, England. France, Ireland. France, Ireland. And then England versus South Africa in the bronze playoff. Gotcha. Apologies for that. We've corrected ourselves. I wasn't wrong. You, you didn't correct yourself. You can listen to this when you edit it. So, Ronnie, let's hop over then. Some more rugby championship action coming as the All Blacks host the Springboks in Mount Smart Stadium, Auckland. Let's see if that's a smart move. 
Yeah, well, we haven't won there since the 1930s. I think have we ever played seven. Mount Smart. Yeah. Okay. Well, in Auckland. Okay. Well, there we go. So Mount Smart sold out stadium. Sold out as well today. Look at us. I think only 25,000 people or something like that. Okay. But so <laughs> three quarters of Auckland's capacity. Uh, <laughs> Coming to visit and see the world champions in action. Okay, okay. Ronnie, what do you make of the travel factor here? We know now that the Springboks sent over a number of players a week early. Yeah, so we did that. We did it in 2018. Did we do it again after that? No, we did it in 2019. We did it in 2019 when we won the rugby championship, and it's good. Good balance. Jacques Nienaube said it in this morning's press conference. You know, half the squad is comprised of players that have not got a game under their belt, but are refreshed and have been there for some time and have acclimatized to the time zones and, you know, they've got their sleep cycles in order. And then the other half of the team is made up of players that have got a, a game under their belt. So it's the best of both worlds. It's a nice mix. I like the squad. It's it's powerful. So does that give us an advantage over the, the All Black squad who've all been in Argentina and are only landing back in New Zealand on Tuesday. Yeah, so look, there's the element, there's the argument of it. So all of their players have got a belt, a game under the belt, except for the odd player that's going to make it into the team. And they've trained together for a lot longer. I mean, we've we've have, we've split our squad, obviously, different training schedules, training with different groups. You're not as in sync, I suppose. But yeah, pros and cons on both sides. For sure. So we're only going to know after the game whether or not, or who was right in this instance. But I definitely think the box have a significant advantage in in players being acclimatized. And Jordy Barrett actually coming out today and saying, you know, he knows that there's 15 South Africans waiting to face him that have been here, have acclimatized, and are well-rested. Yeah. So definitely giving us a bit of an advantage there. And, you know, Ronnie, this could be one of the three fixtures against the All Blacks this year. We've also got the sold-out Twickenham game to watch, and then we've got Potentially a World Cup quarterfinal. Potentially a World Cup quarterfinal or potentially a final. Or potentially a final. Yeah, yeah. So potential knockout stage in the World Cup facing the All Blacks, of course. And all of these games, this game, especially in the Rugby Championship, the warm-up in Twickenham, you know, I suppose that's that's forward thinking on both sides. You know, they're both preparing for the possibility of facing the other in a knockout stage in the World Cup. No, for sure. So that's going to be interesting and the games are going to have a bit of added impetus on the outcome, especially for the mental battle that will face the teams in the World Cup should they meet in a playoff. Ronnie, then last week when we recorded, you know, we said Oxenchair looked to have hurt his pick. By the time the episode was released on Wednesday, that announcement had come out, he'd been withdrawn from the squad. We don't yet know the prognosis on that, how long he's set to be out for. But that prompted the call-up for Gerard come from the Bulls. He was sent over to New Zealand. And you remember the last prop we did this with? Yeah, I'm getting some flashbacks here at the moment with uh, Dean Craven. Yep. So the last time we randomly called up a prop and sent him over to New Zealand from the Bulls, it was Dean Craven. Was his first and last game. First and last game, red card. It was a horror show there. So, Ronnie, I found out what Dean Craven's real name is. What is his name? Before I tell you his name, I just want to say, I feel like selecting a guy with this as a first name we got exactly what we deserve. Okay. okay. MacGyver. McNair, man. The first name legitimately is MacGyver. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I found that out, so I definitely think we got what we asked for. We came no, up with a MacGyver plan. That can't be I promise true. you it's true. No, that gave me a good laugh, Ronnie. MacGyver? MacGyver. So he, he saw that, he saw Richie McCaw over that ruck, and he's like, 
I'm gonna bring out my inner MacGyver, make a plan, and remove this guy from the game. And it didn't work. Didn't work. He removed himself. He removed himself from the game. (laughs) So, Ronnie, let's take a look then. The Springboks have named their team. It is a powerful one set to take on the All Blacks. It's difficult, right? Okay, but go go ahead. So, let's start with the front row. It's Stephen Kitsoff, Bongi, and Franz Malherber. That's the starting front row from the Wallabies game. Yeah. Happy? Happy. I thought Malcolm Marks would have been getting a start there, having been over in New Zealand already. No, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to the bomb squad shortly. Shortly. Then we go to Locke, and this is also where I was surprised. Gibbon Etzebeth named to captain the box for the 14th time. He's partnered there by Lurt Diaka. I wasn't sure Eben was even match fit yet. Yeah, I remember you said that in a, in a podcast or two back that uh, I think you responded to someone on our WhatsApp group. And said that Evan is still injured, not eligible to play. But I did mean he flew over for a for a reason. Sia is also there as well. But so Sia is there. Leadership. I think Sia is there as as, a, as management. Yeah. So that was great to see. Very excited for Evan that he's getting that opportunity. Even more excited that he's going to be donning the green and gold again. I mean, he's the pillar of the Springbok pack. Yeah, absolutely. Then we go to the Lucy's. Very happy to see Quacker getting a start at six. Sos is at seven and Jasper Visa at eight. You know, much of a muchness, really. In this day and age, do the, do the, uh, does the six and seven really matter? So, yeah, you know my feelings on him as a Lucy. Yeah, I know. I know he's a workhorse and I love Flo. I, I, I love Sos. So, I mean, he definitely gives us the line-out option. He's great for that. Uh, and he's an excellent player. I just do prefer him at lock. But glad to see him getting a start as well. Then we move over to the back line, Ronnie. So we've got a halfback pairing of Faf de Klerk and Damien Willemse. Yeah, no, exciting. Definitely. Look, I think a lot of people wanted Marnie to get the 10 jersey. I think it's good that we are rotating. I think the Bok coaches have had a plan all along. Yeah, this is definitely a strategy that was concocted a while back, and they're sticking to it, and fair enough. Exactly, making no... sure everyone's got enough experience, enough minutes in the jerseys they could play yeah. in. It's not a bad option, right? No, not at all. I mean, you can, you can say that, Putting money there is a better option, but no, it's not. It's just not a bad option, and you've got to give everyone a substantial enough game time. For sure, you do. Then we go to the back three. You've got Makazole Mapimpi, Cheslin Colby, and Vili LaRue. That was our starting back three for the World Cup final in 2019. Yeah, there we go. So we're going back to what we know. Yeah, and I mean, you can count on every one of those players. Right, so now we've gone through the first 15, right? now. No, I haven't done the centres yet. You haven't done the centres? No, yes, your attention span, hey, Ronnie? Well, I'm so excited to get to the bomb squad. So in the centres, we have reunited also of the World Cup pairing of Damien Dialende and Lucanio Am. It'll be their 28th time starting together. Okay, now moving on to the bomb squad. <laughs> <laughs> no, good. Look, it's a great centre pairing. Fantastic, very exciting. I like Damien. I trust him there. I would have liked to see Andre Estes or maybe get a bit more game time because, look, he deserves it. I think you're going to see probably an Andre and Jesse Creel combination for Los Pumas. I think it again is the set. Three different center pairings over three games. I think it's this this getting the... Bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> the guys all to get enough minutes in and make sure everyone's prepared and, and game ready. But Ronnie, then diving into your bomb squad, we have... 6-2 split yet again. It's a, it, it is a scary-looking bomb squad. It's a bloody scary-looking bomb squad. So someone on our page today actually said, he's pretty sure you could use the bomb squad to protect the president and you'd have no problems. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've got yeah, Malcolm Marks, Thomas the Tank, Detoy, and Vincent Koch. That's unbelievable. See, and that's physical. And that's what we're going to... 
We're going to F them up physically. Yeah. I mean, Malcolm Marx is going to come on there really. And just, you know, with Bongi's going to be tired after having played a, a, a game against Australia, then traveled across and, you know, and then, you know, he's just going to do enough to tire the All Blacks out and then on comes that front row. Yeah, I th- I wouldn't be surprised even to see a sort of 38-minute front row change out again. Early replacements. Early replacements. Right. Then we have Archia, the Viking snake man, Peter Steftetoy, and Dwayne Thorfemulen completing that five or six forwards on the bench. So Peter Steftetoy probably come on at Lucy right and 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 Mostert moving into the lock. Possibly Mostert and Snayman pairing up at the locks. I mean, who wants to play 60 minutes against Jasper and a further 20 against Dwayne? Yeah. Not me. With Malcolm Mark sprinkled around. Yeah, I'm out there. Eh? And I mean, you've got dudes at 12. Oh, <laughs> that's, mate, that's, that's a physical uh, middle. That is, that is the worst thing. If you, if you honestly, I would rather play those guys first, get them out of the way. But it really doesn't matter. Like the whole Springbok match day 23 that we've announced here, they are so, they are real, absolute tough bastards. So I was quite excited to see that the two backs that we've included on the bench was Grant Williams and Marnie Lubbock. Yeah. Grant Williams, I thought it would have been Herschel. Herschel flew over there early. But I think Grant inspired quite a bit when he came off the bench against the Wallabies. So did Marnie. And it'll be great to have them in the later stages of the game when it opens up a little bit, see what they can pull off, especially if we manage to get a bit of a lead. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think Grant Williams deserves a shot. It's a big ask against the All Blacks, though. Yeah, it's definitely a big ask, but it's going to be such a good game. This has to be one of the strongest box sides that you can name. I mean, Sia Khaleesi probably coming in at flank. Otherwise, who are you missing here? Box. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable the depth that has actually been built in this squad. It's very exciting to but see. But if you look at this past weekend's performance, Marvin Ori, great in the lineouts. Honestly, he really impressed me too. So you've got to add him to the mix, you know, and then... We've got such depth all across the show with our, with our 17 scrub-offs as well. It's going to be great. The only position that con- concerns me is 13 because I think the void between what Jesse Creel brings to the table versus what Lucanio Am does it's, is it, bigger it, than it's any apparent. other position. It's apparent enough, right? Yes, yeah. But, I mean, we've got great depth across the park. It's really great to see. And, you know, we've still got Pollard to return as well, so... If we get all these guys back from injury, I see no reason why we can't mount one hell of a challenge at the World Cup. I'm excited. Me too. Then running over to Australia, they're hosting Los Pumas there at the Combank Stadium in New South Wales. Going to be an interesting fixture, Ronnie. Who has more to lose out of this fixture? Australia. You know, they've got the potential to really gain some momentum under Eddie Jones. And they didn't manage to get any momentum the past weekend in Loftus. You know, they've only got Los Pumas. Then it's the All Blacks after that in the Bledisloe. You know, this is their opportunity to start gaining some traction and start building on that momentum. Or, you know, so they've got everything to do. So I think Los Pumas, right, I don't want to discredit because they have beaten the All Blacks in the past. They've beaten the Springboks. They've beaten Australia. And, you know, they've come they've come a long way. But, you know, at this stage, they are still pegged to be the wooden spoon of the rugby championship. And I know that will change going forward. But at the moment, it's Australia with everything to lose. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. I think they definitely need to get a win under the belt to start tying Eddie's, Eddie's coaching together. Are any of the coaches under real pressure, though, Ronald? In Foster, for sure. Yeah, but Fuzzy's leaving. Checker's leaving at the end of the year. Yeah, but, okay, Foster's leaving, but he still doesn't want to, He wants to leave with, some, with something behind his name. He doesn't want to leave as the most unsuccessful coach of the modern-day era. True. 
True, he's definitely Eddie Jones. Sure, board. look, I think Eddie Jones absolutely. He's got he's got a lot to lose too, but you know he's got a struggling Australia side at this point, so he's got everything to gain. Still, I don't think he's got much to lose. You know, Eddie as well. I don't think he's under much pressure after talking to Lackey from Scrum Bags. You know, they said he's got to win the Lions Tour and then make a serious challenge in 2027. If this is putting the foundations in for that, if he's laid out a good plan then I don't think he's under much pressure from Australian rugby. Maybe the fan base, yes, but the actual governing body probably less so. Look, you also have to admit that when Rassi came along in 2018, Springboks were also losing in his first couple of games. So it doesn't happen overnight. And look, Eddie is a turnaround specialist. So, you know, just like watch watch the space. I think uh, I think Eddie's still got some, some tricks up his sleeveys. Where does Nadi keep his armies? I'm guessing it's up his sleeveys. <laughs> so Ronnie then just a quick shout out to a couple of the guys that got in touch with us this week we really love yes. hearing from you you guys are absolute bloody legends starting off with Wes Bodmer Wes has written in a few times great to hear from you again and shout for sharing your experience at Loftus with us Bodmer sounds like didn't he win a couple of Super Brew pools too he did he actually no he was on for one of their last season's fan topics legend yeah there we go sounds- Peter Ritzma, you wrote in about the jerseys. Ronnie and I will definitely be bringing that onto the show, so thanks for the idea there. Ritzma. Ritzma. Sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. But yeah, shot for writing on, giving us that topic. We definitely are planning some content around that. Thanks to you. Awesome. Then Edmund Lawrence from Australia, sharing his jersey collection with us. That was really lacquer. Really great to see you've got some lacquer collectibles there. Yeah, some old school ones. eh? Yeah, some proper old school ones. Brian, long-time friend of ours now. He's been watching or listening to us since season one. But yeah, Brian, shot for, for always supporting us and listening in. You sent us some stuff about the baby box. You know, we do share your concerns there as well. Keith Hendon, this one for me was an epic one. So last week we reached out. So, you know, if you listen to the pod from random corners of the world, we'd really like to, to hear from you. Keith wrote in, he's originally from Canada, Ronnie. His father was from the Transvaal. Canada, eh? He now lives in Texas, in Houston. But he spent some time here in Limpopo, farming out there. And great to hear that he's listening to the podcast. There's a lot of South Africans there in Texas. Like so that might, might explain our listenership that side. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And Lauren, Lauren Moore, you've also been a longtime friend of the page. You've always sending us your ideas and comments and, and supporting us. So shout out to you as well. And then another Safa in Australia, Ronnie. Lee Ann Forbes. Lee Ann Forbes, okay. Yeah, so she's a sapphire in Australia. She wrote out just saying, you know, how impressed she was with Marnie, Andrea, Kirtley, Arnes's performances and having a bit of a laugh at the Eddie interview in this little tantrum. There. Honestly, that's so lucky to hear from a sapphire abroad. Like yeah. I mean, often people leave the place and they're very negative about their home country and, and it's nice to, nice to see that she's writing in and having a bit of a chuckle. Yeah, so thanks very much for that, Lee Ann. Richard Jacobs, also been listening to us for quite a while, has written in a few times. Richard, you were at Loftus this weekend as well. We hope you enjoyed the game. Sorry we didn't get to meet up for a beer. That would have been lacquer. And then, Ronnie, I think the one that you're most excited about. That's right. So, Samesa Nabuwai sending us in pictures of his team training in Fiji. So, that was epic. That really was epic. So, Samisa, we would really love to hear from you, actually, like, what team is this? Is it a club team? Is it a school team? Yeah. Um, and also where you got the show from, because... Right, so, I mean, okay, so we spoke about the fact that we have we have listeners from random corners of the world, and 
Sivu, Fiji, right? So we got, we had a listener from there and we asked about the photos and he sent us some pretty epic pictures. Yeah, some pretty cool pictures. See the trees and the, the palm trees in the back. I don't know if it's palm trees or coconut trees or I don't even know what the difference is, I suppose. But <laughs> it looked tropical as anything and it's people playing the game made that they play in epic. Yeah, it was epic. So please, Samisa, if you can, just drop us a further message. Let us know uh, where you heard about us. and we want to become Facebook friends. Yeah, we would really love to hear from you again. And thank you for those pictures. It was really special. Also, again, to all our listeners around, please do drop us some, some messages. Send us your pictures. We really love hearing from you. And it's really special to see how this game is enjoyed around the world. Then, Ronnie, as we're coming towards the end of the episode, Stuart Hogg retired. Stuart Hogg retired. very surprising, right? But I think let's be realistic. Uh, he didn't. He he saw the World Cup, but he's been there before. He's played a couple of British and Irish Lions tours, and he just well thought, "Geez, I don't see Scotland pulling off a magical magical one here." And he just said, "His body said, no. yeah, his body said no." And then Jamie Joseph said to leave Japan. Is that a sought after coaching job? Definitely. Definitely. I think the groundwork was laid by Eddie Jones, right? So he's made, he's turned Japan into, he's elevated them from Minnow Nation, right? So they're no longer considered a Minnow, or at least I don't. And if you consider Japan a Minnow Nation, you're going to make this mistake that this box made in 2015. Bold call here from me, Michael Checker to take up the Japan job. Because he is leaving Los Pumas at the end of the year. What about Ian Foster? Maybe Fuzzy as well, eh? Ooh. Some interesting calls there. Or maybe even Matt Proudfoot's going to come out from the left because Marty's today also announcing Kabamba Fleurs as their new head coach. Kabamba Fleurs, honestly, legend as well, legend of the game. But yeah, look, I think Matt Proudfoot's an interesting one and maybe he comes back to the box. Maybe, maybe. And just in case you were wondering, Ronnie, Kabamba still has blonde hair. Okay, that's awesome to hear. He hasn't gone bald or grey like me. (laughs) (laughs) Kabamba, what's your secret, bud? Please reach out. (laughs) So, Ronnie, then over to Superbrew. You guys know we've got a new pool running. The pool code there, it's not too late to join, is Lima Ores, L-I-M-A-O-R-E-S. It's about 1,300 guys in the pool, so thanks, to everyone, for joining us. Ronnie, do you have our top three there? Yeah, so in third place, I can't pronounce your V38TCH. Look, it sounds like Elon Musk's child. Um, <laughs> but Louis Veitch in third place, 2.83. Second place, also 2.83. Tali, and that's Gerdas Taljart. And uh, in first place, we've got Fani Yellowcap, of course, because it is after the first round. Fani Luvis, Lovis, Luvis. Probably butchering that, but also 2.83 points. So you three, back up. Oh, guys, so thanks for joining in. You're not yet our superest of brews, but if you keep it up and you win the tournament, we definitely have a lack of prize coming your way. And then, Ronnie, to round off the episode, it's May Fokjong Confessions time. So this week, we didn't get any confessions in. Guys, please do send them in. And if girls. We, and girls. If we pick your confession, you will feature on the show and you'll get some lack of punted May Fokchom merch. But Ronnie, since you embarrassed yourself on the show telling us about your days as a <laughs> goalkeeper, I thought I would share a tale of mine from the rugby fields. Dennis. So in my first year, I'd now left high school. I went back as an old boy to watch my school play against Heronbridge College. <laughs> and, you know, I'm standing on the sideline. I'm watching this game. I'm really into it, shouting for the boys. And Heronbridge kicks the ball down towards where I'm standing. 
me, without even realizing I was not part of this game, ran onto the field in my flip-flops. And only once I was like four or five meters into the field, realized I wasn't actually playing in this game and had to embarrassingly run off the field. You know, it was one of those school refs as well, so I don't think he really knew what to do about it. Instinct. Uh, Instinct. Did you make contact with anyone? No, I did not. Okay. Luckily, I did not. Because yeah. that would have been considered assault. Yeah. So that was a bit embarrassing. Maybe I'd had a bit too much brandy the Friday night at Square or something, but my brain definitely was not working right. That's hilarious. That's a great story. I've actually heard that one before. So I also have another small confession to make, which is quite bad. So I convinced all the candidate attorneys at my firm to come and join me on Superbrew and create a little office pool. Not only am I bottom of the office pool, as the rugby punted on Superbrew, the only female candidate attorney we have got all the picks right and all the margin points wow fantastic so marika if you're listening well done yeah, and up, yeah i am at the bottom of that pool and need you to fix it or i'm gonna suddenly delete you the pool. to know so much about where you even have a podcast and, and the people at your <laughs> work are kicking your ass yeah and then the let's go let's go we can say the same for my grandfather opa i know you listen to the show you beat us in the six nations and in the urc beat nick and case. ronnie no 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 <laughs> so yeah guys shout for playing thank you everyone for joining us and that's a wrap guys and girls if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns please do us a solid and smash that like button remember subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bry while screaming at the tv we might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season grab it all Light the bra, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday.